Welcome back to Jasketball Podcast. Today is a great day because we have a special guest from the New Orleans Pelicans. He runs a podcast called Ethos Pelicans and uh, can't wait to have him in to get his take on the Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. I know we're two games into this, um, but before we get into that, I want to say thank you guys for following us on Twitter. Uh, We just literally just started this account on Twitter and under or just over a month, we're already at 400 followers. So we ran this podcast back in 2013 and I miss it. We used to do it after every single game. It was a lot harder to record a podcast back then. Uh, You had to edit it and it just took forever to upload. This Twitter space is as great. I've met a ton of awesome jazz fans. Um, Kevin, hang on there. There you go. I met a ton of awesome jazz fans, had some great conversations. The jazz are kind of in shock because we didn't expect this. Uh, so it'll be fun to talk to these new Orleans fans on what they think. Uh, we've got quite a few listeners. It looks like that are new Orleans fans. So let's jump into this. The New Orleans Jazz and the Pelicans are both undefeated two games into the season. They are trying to join the Boston Celtics at 3-0. The Utah Jazz are averaging in those two games 127.5, and the New Orleans Pelicans are averaging 127 points per game. Pelicans are out-rebounding the Jazz as far as averages go. These are all going to be averages 57-48. to the assists, which are are really astonishing because the Jazz had, I believe, 39 assists last game, which is a record since like 2010, um, and we just didn't move the ball very well last year. I think the ball stuck a lot. We had a lot of good shooters and a lot of scores, but I think they all were trying to do it themselves. So the Jazz are averaging 33, Pelicans 27. As far as steals go, Jazz 10.5, Pelicans 9, blocks Pelicans five and a half, Jazz four and a half, turnovers, Jazz are high with 16, Pelicans are at 13 and a half, both shooting about the same field goal percentage and three point percentage, and Pelicans are better at the free throw line by, uh, it's 71 to 80 percent. So I want to welcome in Lyles, uh, so you guys know that he's here. Lyles, go ahead and unmute yourself and welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having us, mate. I uh, appreciated the invites, and uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Happy to to talk a bit of jazz and Pelicans. Very excited to get it uh, get it going. So uh, I, I've reached out to a few other fans. Uh, we played Denver, and then we we beat Minnesota. And you're the first one to accept an invite to the podcast. So you're going to hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, hopefully every time the Jazz and Pelicans play, we can link up and, and do something like this. But uh, I know on the Pelicans side, since you guys got C.J. McCollum, things seem to have really switched around. Ingram has basically turned into a borderline all-star, if not an all-star, in my opinion. Uh, you guys have Zion Williamson back. What, what is the feel on the Pelicans side, and what are you guys most excited about? Yeah, I think it was highlighted when, I suppose, nationally and probably beyond uh, the fan base itself, when CJ and, and Larry Nance were acquired, I think it really started to change 
even earlier than that. I think we felt we had something special um, just with the, I suppose, the high character people that we had around the team. That really sort of started to change after the, the woeful start uh, last year with the 1-12, and 3-16, which has been pretty well publicised and, uh, you know, that sort of big comeback ending up with a, uh, with a late-season se- uh, playoff run uh, through the play-in, the gauntlet of the play-in. Um, but honestly, guys like that, you know, it, it, when CJ says that this is where he wanted to be, he wanted to come to, to New Orleans and... and he picked this. He was part of the trade negotiations, and um, and and they got the sign off for this. That I suppose puts a big rubber stamp of approval on what we're building down here and what we're trying to um, uh, really accomplish. And when you get the the president of the NBA Players Association wanting to come down here and move his family after he's wife's given birth to a baby a week a month before or something like you have a month old baby it's a lot to uh to uproot your family and uh and and go through changes like that um i think that just reinforces what we're building down here i mean in terms of what that did to brandon's game well all of a sudden it goes from Brandon having to uh, have two, three, four guys in front of him. I think he was the third most double-team player last year, uh, which is a, uh, a crazy stat when you think of the players that are in this league. He He's just taken it to another level. And I think, as uh, Willie Green, our coach, has talked about, is that Brandon's a real student of the game. And the way his development has progressed from when he was acquired from the Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade, uh, then one most improved player was an all-star that year. Uh, Zion Williamson was then drafted. We then went through last year with the, uh, the one and 12 start. I think he's been one of the most underrated players in this league for a while and continues to get better. And we forget he's still only 24 or 25 years old. So we're going to be seeing this bloke for a, uh, for many years to come, but uh, it's it's an exciting time to be a Pels fan. I tell you what. Yeah, just to go off that a little bit, I think uh, it was a little sad to see him depart from um, Damian Lillard, just because I think they had such a great relationship and they were able to figure it out and work together. But I also think that he was a little bit overshadowed and wasn't able to hit uh, his highest peak. You you would notice. You know, Dame would go off one game and then CJ would go off, and it was rare that they'd both go off. So I think him getting paired with Brandon Ingram, um, where he he can handle the ball a little bit more instead of having Dame Lillard, I think it's a perfect perfect match as far as Ingram and CJ McCollum. Now, Steven Adams was one of my favorite big guys. I was wanting the Jazz to get him, and he departed. But you guys got Valanchunas, and he was your leading scorer last game. What do you guys think of Valanchunas as far as being uh, one of your top uh, centers in the league? Well, yeah, Stephen Adams is also, well, one of our neighbours from New Zealand. Uh, uh, He's a big man, Man Mountain, and um, played... You know, he played well alongside Zion. I think probably wasn't the right fit in terms of being able to space the floor quite as much as we we wanted. We all tried to sell ourselves with the uh, with the um, ability to to space through screening and and the like. But when you can't shoot beyond two or three feet from the rim, it makes it a bit tricky when you've got another bloke who operates in there. Um, Jonas has been a great addition. I think 
he was probably for the first half of last season for us our our best player our our, uh, our MVP for the first half. He definitely carried us through a lot of the injuries. Brandon was out early, um, and then what you saw last night was that we've we've had this hype, and the national media has really hyped up the big three, and they've been calling it the the big threesy, and um, you know, all very fun. But then Jonas came out, gives you 30 and 17, couple of blocks, hitting three-pointers, hitting middies. He, he, he looked like a man amongst boys. And, um, you know, he he has just been fantastic. And I think we're going to see another level of him this year because he also has so much more support. I think he is one of the top, definitely offensive uh, bigs in the league and uh, centres. And then... Um, his defense has just been better with the the support of Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and and guys like that coming through as well, being able to help direct traffic, uh, not straight into his chest. Right. <laughs> so I I wanted to ask this to you too because you're from Australia. You woke up yep. super early to do this, right? What six thirty? Yeah, it's six forty one at the moment. Did you get your coffee? I haven't actually. I um. Uh, oh no! Peel the curtain back. I'm just sitting in bed. So. <laughs> all right. Um, well, uh, I was going to ask because we had Joe Ingles. He was one of our favorite players. It was really sad seeing him go. Um, and you know why? Why aren't you a jazz fan? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I suppose like Joe is a great advocate for Australian basketball. He's been um integral to. Uh, revitalizing the Boomers team, and and uh, they got that gold medal in oh not gold medal sorry bronze medal one can dream um, in the uh, in the Olympics, which is the first time an Australian team had medaled. He uh, honestly is, is just a fantastic human. He I, I know at the Jazz he was doing all the stuff um, with people on the autism spectrum, and I think his, his son is. Uh, is on the autism spectrum and, and the jazz really embrace that. I know they built the um, sensory room and the like there, which, you know, to see someone have an impact beyond just playing basketball and being a part of a community, I think is, is really inspiring. And, and I know a lot of uh, young basketball players are sort of following his um, pathway through the NBL and uh, playing in Europe and then ending up in the NBA. So um, in terms of why I'm not a jazz fan, well, I've got a fantastic community down in New Orleans, so I don't know where else you'd want to be. <laughs> well, well, what's the story behind it? Where you do you have links to New Orleans, or you just like the team? What? Why are you a New Orleans fan? Well, it's a bit long-winded, so I'll try to like. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. As short as possible. Well, I um originally I was just sort of a fan of basketball. Down here, you don't get this uh, probably for the last ten years or so. When I first started getting into basketball, maybe 2008, 2009, you didn't really get that many uh, games on TV. You, you get the the ESPN slash TNT double headers, and that was it. And that yeah. was on at like 10 a.m. So I was, um, I was, I think I was in my doing my uh, high school exams, and during that you get to stay home. So instead of well, oh, in addition to studying, you also watch basketball, <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. And um, so after a while, I, I kept watching, and then I play a lot of fantasy basketball, and um, I was teamed up with Hoopball, which is now Sports Ethos, and was doing a bit of fantasy analysis. And they had an opening or someone had let the Hoopball Pelicans podcast actually um, just 
go to the wayside no one was hosting it and I was like oh I'll take it over <laughs> didn't know much about the team or anything and, and the one thing is is that uh, so I think I've been doing that three nearly three years now and um, from there I just learned about the team and we then had COVID hit so it was a bit hard to talk about a team when you didn't yeah, have any basketball yeah. on but um, I, I reached out to a whole heap of places uh, the World War Two Museum we spoke to um the New Orleans and Company. We spoke to, um, oh gosh, I saw you saw you had over. Shams on. Yeah, uh, no, no, I had um, Shamit, who's a, a, a local beat writer down here. Oh, okay. I had Shams. So. I was like, that's <laughs> pretty. Know, that's pretty high level. Yeah, we get some good people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so from there, you know, there's an old saying down here that if you love New Orleans, I love you back, and that has really happened for me. Now planning a trip over there for Christmas, oh, for New Year's, and um, yeah, we'll spend a couple of weeks there and get to know everyone. And yeah, I, I, it's it's an easy team to cheer for, and I think we're going to get a whole heap of fans now that we're getting the national attention jump on board as well. Yeah, yeah, you've got one of the most exciting upcoming teams, in my opinion. Now, if you ever need a different team, if something goes sour, uh, I can help you convert to be a Jazz fan. Well, that's how you ended up with that <laughs> Jazz name anyway, wasn't it? It's just come from New Orleans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you still, you've still kind of got a link to New Orleans if you need. But I want to jump into the Jazz because I really wanted to jump on with you to get your take on the Jazz. I know it's early and probably haven't watched a ton of what the Jazz are doing. I haven't watched any New Orleans games yet. Uh, I just checked the scores and stats. But looking into the matchup and seeing the the stat matchups on what's going to happen tonight it was really interesting because i started looking at point differentials between teams and the jazz and pelicans are the two actually the pelicans are the highest i believe the jazz are the third uh dallas jumped up last night when they uh killed memphis but the point differential for the Pelicans is 17 points a game, and the Jazz are right at 13. So looking at all these stats, points per game, rebounds, assists, I feel like it's going to be pretty evenly matched just from the preview of the two games. Now, the Jazz were not expecting this, so at any point, I think all Jazz fans are feeling like this could fall off. There's half and half wishing that we would tank to try and get Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson, and then the other half want us to win. They think you know the draft's deep enough, and there's enough good players that we shouldn't shouldn't be losing. Um, we should build a winning mentality. But who stands out on the Jazz team for you, and why? Yeah, well, it's a it's a funny one. They sort of tore it all down, or well, you perceive tore it all down by um, trading Rudy and trading um, Donovan Mitchell, and and they're still winning. I think. Like you said earlier on in this, is that um, last year the ball stuck a bit. You probably played a bit of hero ball and, you know, when all-stars are in there, that happens. I suppose you remove those personalities and those big names. All of a sudden you get guys moving the basketball. You know, you said you had 39 assists. Um, you, you get people playing together and there's not the, I suppose, in quotation marks, uh, the guy. Everyone gets to be the guy and, and you get that unselfish basketball. What I have enjoyed about the Jazz is they play freely. They get up and down the court, and and you know they picked up those guys from the from the Timberwolves. I like um, is it Vanderbilt? Yeah, uh, center. He gave us absolute uh, 
trouble last year when we come up against him at the Wolves. He can jump out of the gym and he's a very long, good defender, and I, I really rate him. I think he's a, a fantastic player. I do have one question for you, though. Yeah. Where's our guy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker? He's uh, He was uh, a, a great little addition, and I thought he'd be getting some more minutes, but I uh, haven't seen much of him. Yeah, it was, it was weird because in the preseason, he actually was getting a lot of minutes at the point guard position, and so everyone thought he was going to get some more minutes, but my take on the preseason is they were playing Jared Butler, who eventually got cut, and I think they were really trying to whittle down the roster to figure out who they wanted. Um, I was excited for Ochai, uh, the most outstanding player that won the the championship at Kansas this year that we got in a draft or in the trade for Donovan Mitchell, and he hasn't played. I was really excited for Simone Fontecchio. He had a great Euro basket. Uh, or Yale League, whatever you call it, and um, him and Markin had, you know, they were leading scorers for both their teams and got their teams deep into that tournament. So those are two guys I'm wanting to see. You add in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It's going to be fun to see what other options we have with those guys. Um, To go back to Vanderbilt a little bit, he's impressed me incredibly. He has a motor similar to Jordan Clarkson where he's just going. He's he's not that gifted offensively, but, man, does he get you second-chance points all the time. He he had 12 rebounds in our first game, and he fouled out, like, at (laughs) halftime. And then he he got another 14 last game, so... It'll be fun to see him match up. I don't know who's going to guard Zion. Uh, Zion's such a brute and a bruiser. I think that'll be the big difference. I know from looking at the stats, New Orleans hasn't taken that many threes in their first two games, and the Jazz have taken like 40-something. So that's something that's going to be interesting to watch on who takes more threes, and I think you guys work it in a little bit more. And and personally, we thought our interior defense was going to – be really bad. I think Vanderbilt and this new rookie Walker Kessler from Auburn has given us a little bit bit of hope. Uh, Kessler had two blocks last game uh, in the same possession, and the second one was on Rudy Gobert. So that got a lot of Jazz fi- fans fired up, including myself. But I want to I want to turn the time over to some of the fans and the people listening because that's ultimately why we do this on Twitter. Uh, we like to interact with everyone that's listening. So if you're on here, you want to speak, uh, please request. I know Kevin, uh, you're always on here, and I've already um, approved you to speak. So why don't you go ahead? You can ask me or Lyle a question, or just give us your take on what you want to see tonight or what you think is going to happen. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, thanks, Jordan, and thanks for being on, Lyle. Uh, one of the questions I have for you, Lyle, is, um, you know, you guys have a pretty young coach and Coach Green, you know, and you went from a kind of a 10. I know you had the Van Gundy experiment, you know, for that one year, and then you had, uh, you know, uh, Gentry before. You know, how is it transitioning from kind of a 10-year coach in, like, Gentry to a young coach like green and how is that transition being because it's been exciting i uh, watching him coach and how the players react to him has been exciting it's given me a lot of hope as a fan and hoping that we get kind of that same camaraderie with uh, our coach who's a younger coach and up-and-comer yeah fantastic uh, question as well i i 
Uh, you, you can get me going on Willie Green at any time because I have so much, uh, <laughs> so much respect and and uh, admiration for that man. He's just a fantastic uh, coach and comes across as uh, such a fantastic person. Um, I suppose the the difference was is that Stan is that old drill master coach who's been there, done that. He'd had a year off. He'd refreshed himself analysing, uh, being a commentator on ESPN or whichever one it was, and um, had come back and wanted to play tough defence but didn't really have the personnel to then score at the other end and, and didn't capitalise on... Um, I suppose what we did have was good interior defence and just no spacing. What we've got with Willie is is a really well-constructed roster, but also a player's coach. He's been there, he's done that. He's he's been in the in the trenches with the guys. He know what he knows what happens in a locker room. He he's played with some of the great players, great point guards. He knows what it takes to be successful, and I think that resonates with these guys because he knows where to push guys. He knows how to um, uh, get the most out of players, whether that be tell them off and, and try to gas them up, or or um, or you know coddle some guys and say, well, this is how we're going to do it, and. I think that uh, allows guys to connect and buy in. And, and even when we were at 1 and 12, he was always positive. He's always positive. Um, he never waved us from that. He split the season up into blocks of 10 games. And he said, all right, so we went 1 and one and 9 in this one. We need to be better in the next 10. And all of a sudden, I think the final two or three, we were going six and four. And, and you know, all of a sudden, you've got 60% win rate in blocks of 10. And you can see that belief come through. And he's been so good at that. And I think it was capped off with the uh, you've got a fight speech against the Clippers, where we're down by 10 at the end of the third quarter. All of a sudden, he, um, he does his inspirational speech and he's talked about it at length, uh, media day and, and since. And... The guys lifted their heads. He says, "You've got to get your get your friggin' heads up." Um, you know, we've got to fight. We're not giving up. We're not giving in. And and all of a sudden, these guys lift. You turn a ten point deficit into a ten point victory. And you know that. Oh, it's emotional thinking about. It's awesome. And I hope you guys can get uh, can get that with a young coach. I think he connects with with a different, uh, I suppose, demographic of kids. You know, younger coming through. Um, I think the mentality of, of run three hour long trainings and, and flog everyone to death is, is not is not the uh, the mentality anymore. I think it's connections and bigging people up and, and harnessing what people have and and reacting to different people's personalities and that's how you get the best out of players. So fingers crossed you can get that from um, from your coach as well. That's so awesome to hear. I mean, I have I agree with you. Like ever when they named him the head coach, I was so stoked. I'm like, man, this guy is gonna succeed in this league. He's gonna get the respect and he's gonna see things and inspire these kids. And I think he was exactly what Zion Williams needed to take um, himself to the next level. That and his nutritionalist who if you happen to have his number, let me know because I wanna sign up for his program because <laughs> Zion looks phenomenal this year. I think um Whoever he signed up as his nutritionalist this year is going to help him take it to the next level because he looks he looks good. He's got that extra spring in his step. He's not carrying that weight. 
Oh, I'm I'm so excited to watch him this year. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I was watching David Locke talk about it because he's he's there at the game right now. He did a little live video, and uh, him and Ron Boone both said how amazing shape Zion's looked in. I've seen multiple um, articles about how great a shape, and I I think he really needed that. He was you know a, lo- a knock on him was that he was so heavy that he was never going to be able to make it, and if he can cut down some of that body weight but still keep his strength he, he could be easily a dominant player now we've got one other speaker that requested that hasn't spoke so tevin hang on just a sec uh it's adonis is risen and before i go to you i wanted to share this stat because we've got about four or five minutes let me check if the game's yeah they're still warming up before we end so we've got about five we'll see how much longer we can go but this is a really cool stat for the new orleans new orleans pelicans and it's really going to be hard for the jazz to contain this tonight i don't know how they do it'll be interesting how coach hardy goes about this but uh ingram valachunas williamson and mccollum are all averaging more than 20 points this season now that's only two games but that's four players averaging 20 points and in my mind, you've got three of them that are probably all-stars, possibly four if Alatunas is. But my grandpa always says, and I, I agree with this, that in order to win a championship, it doesn't matter if you have a top five player, they need help. And really, if you have three all-stars, I think that's what puts you in the running for a championship. If you look at those Spurs teams with Ginobili, Parker, Duncan, uh, you got the big three in Miami with... With uh, LeBron, uh, Wade, and what's his name? Big, tall, long guy. I can't think of his name now. Um, you guys know who I'm talking about. But anyways, you need three three all-stars in my opinion. So, uh, Donis, did you get off? Did you get scared? Oh, we scared, we scared him off. Um, so, Tevin, go ahead. What If you have a question for any of us or um, comment on what we've been speaking on so far. Yeah, so going back to Zion, um, I was actually really excited to see him last season. And then when his whole injury deal happened, I was like, actually, you know what? This kind of sucks. So it, I, I totally agree and with you all, all you guys. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, my question, though, uh, Lyle, for you is how do you see, because the Pelicans did really well there in the postseason, I feel like, um, even without Zion. And had a had a chance to to go fairly deep. I knew they weren't going to go to like the Eastern uh, Western Conference Finals or anything, but um, get maybe to the, to the second round. Now that Zion is back, how do you see um, the coach reintegrating him and maybe building? I don't know if necessarily building a system around him per se, but like reintegrating him and between Brandon Ingram, uh, Zion Williamson, all those other, all those other guys. How do you see? them working Zion back in, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's it's definitely been an adjustment. I think we saw, we only got to saw it, uh, see it in the preseason. Zion played four games and all the rest of the starters only played one, I think, um, which made it a bit tricky to get it in early. They've, they've been working hard to, to really integrate him in that. We play a .5 offense, so the ball doesn't stick. It's the same as what the Suns play. Um, move the ball left to right, in and out, and make sure that 
you may either shoot or you pass within half a second. Uh, we also play a 16-second shot clock, which means that you don't get caught in, uh, I suppose, 24-second violations or try not. Um, we've also been able, with Zion, uh, is that we've been able to stagger the stars together. So all of a sudden, you, you never have a period where not an, an all-star calibre guy or one of the big four uh, is, is off the court. So you've got CJ's usually handcuffed with Zion, so all of a sudden you'll have a, a great shooter alongside him. Um, they've also run a few sets for him in that you had Jackson Hayes there who is now unfortunately injured. Hopefully he's back soon. Uh, but he's a similar type athlete in that you can run those um, screen and rolls and, and those dives to the basket where you can get him free. He also operates a bit out of the post, which, you know, some of those uh, Valanciunas sets are the same. Um, and, and then guys just play off him. So you give him those outlets. You put four shooters around Zion Williamson. He's got a whole whole arc to operate inside. And then uh, you've got guys like Trey Murphy, Brandon, uh, CJ and, and others. Herb Jones can shoot it a bit, even JV. Um I'm definitely forgetting people. Jose uh, can all can all shoot. So um, that's how they've sort of been able to do it and be able to really hype up that spacing, I suppose, and be able to give him the room to operate. Uh, setting good ball screens. We've played like a 1-4 or whatever position he's playing. Is. We're sort of a bit positionless. But uh, it doesn't matter who it is. They'll set a screen and you can sort of do those inverted screens where he will come off or inverted pick and rolls where he'll come off uh, as the ball handler or, or even... Um, vice versa and, and and create so much space. So there's been a few different little uh, sets that they've run. Um, you've also been able to put good defenders alongside him. So even though his defense is definitely better than it's ever been, because you can just see that he's fitter and, and has bought into the, the defensive uh, mentality, He um, he's definitely not a plus defender just yet. He's still a bit rusty. And uh, putting guys like Herb Jones, Trey Murphy alongside him has uh, provided that length to be able to covering i suppose awesome so i i think this is going to be a great game i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up lyle if you want to hop back on we usually do this after the game too to uh let all of our emotions out and our venting and our thoughts so that our wives don't go crazy but um i think one other player the jazz need to look at is Colin Sexton. He didn't have the greatest game last game, but if he can play some good defense on McCollum and slow down what the the Pelicans are trying to do, I think he's going to be a key player in this matchup. I also am guessing, but I would guess that Olenek is going to get a lot of minutes to try and spread the floor offensively. I know last game I was yelling for him to be subbed out and then he hit two big threes in overtime. So I'm I'm thinking that might be a strategy, so watch for that. Um, Kevin, Tevin. Oh wait, we've got one more comment from. Let me see, Joseph Luke. Uh, he says Jackson Hayes will be playing tonight, so that's pretty big. He I like Jackson Hayes. I also like Jose. I think that you guys have got a, a solid second unit that comes in. Um, it's fun to watch Jose and, and Jackson Hayes. They have, they're those energy guys, too, that do dirty work and little things that might not show up on the stat sheet. So uh, we'll be back again after the game. Lyles, I appreciate it. Uh, if you want to come, you can. If not, I totally get it. You probably have something else to do. <laughs> but uh, 
Everyone, yeah, yeah. We, we usually do these before and after all the games. Um, next time we play Pelicans, we we can do it again if you want. But appreciate you guys for listening in. Go ahead and follow us at Jasketball. I now have our website up, Jasketball.com. You can go there. It's got the full schedule and interact. But uh, you guys have been great, and we will see you all after the game. Go Jazz.